women have a unique role in creation. Women are the nurturers, the birth givers, the more spiritual of the genders. And Torah teaches that women have a special status. Join Mashi Lipska for the next hour as she expounds the Torah wisdom specific to women. I'm delighted to be with you from home, from my home to your home. Craigie, we have an echo. And the days are getting shorter. The days are getting shorter. We light candles today at 5.53. Shabbos will be out tomorrow morning at, oh boy, tomorrow night at 6.41. And we have a special week. When in history, ever, was the whole world holding hands, everything has stopped or is stopping. We as Jews know what it is to stop for the seventh day. It's something that we've always done. From the time that God created the world, he created this day, a day of rest. But what is rest? Rest doesn't necessarily mean that we do nothing. It's not just going to sleep. Rest means to go within, to rediscover, to become one with our purpose in life. Well, imagine a Shabbos inside this time of lockdown, this time of self-quarantine, a time for really great introspection. We really have prepared all week for Shabbos. We've gotten into the headspace. We are slowing down. We have slowed down. And Shabbos is coming. And indeed, it's going to make a huge difference. The difference is that God has given us this opportunity to really, really, as it were, rest, go within, connect to our purpose in life. The first Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe said, one must live with the times. And from his brother, the Chassidim found out that that means we must live with the portion of the week. The Chumash that we are starting now, the third book, can be looked at as the core of Torah. That the first two books that came before in this series of five books, were kind of leading up to this book. They were the prelude. And what happens afterwards is, we could say, the postlude. But this is the core. We had creation. We had why there had to be a Jewish people in order to carry out God's wish and desire that this world become a dwelling place for him. We had the second book of the enslavement, Revelation at Sinai, and eventually the building of a home for God, getting closer to God's wish to dwell in his creation. And last week's Chumash, actually is continued in the third book as a natural result, and we see it in the first word. The word is Vayikra. The first word, as it were, the first letter is and, continuation. The Mishkan is complete, and God now calls to Moshe. 
everything was a preparation. And now Vayikra. It's an interesting word. Because it doesn't say, and God called, it says, and he called. It doesn't define God with one of his many names, but rather, Vayikra. And he called from his essence. It was with his essence that God created this world. It was a work of love, a work of hope, a work of tremendous, tremendous connection. Unfortunately, in the early years, man disappointed God. They turned their backs on God. And eventually there was one man, Abraham, one family that became one nation that took on the responsibility. And now the third book, Vayikra. And the word Vayikra, and he called Rashi immediately tells us it's a word of love, of connection. The Vav connects us to everything that came before, and now God's essence wants to connect with us. Normally when God calls to the people, he first calls to Moshe. And God spoke to Moshe. Speak to the people of Israel. And say to them, so on. Here, the word Vayikra is the preface to the Vayimer. Before he says what he wants to say, he calls him. At this central point, where everything that has come before is now going to become clear. If God created the world, and he wants a home in this world. What are we supposed to do? What are the laws? What is his wish? How do we behave? How do we atone for mistakes? And in this book, all of that, the core of Torah is laid out. And Rashi tells us that although all the other times when God called to Moshe, as a preparation of telling the people something, there was also first a call with love. In other words, before he spoke to Moshe, he first called in great love, connection. So we have a precedent here, which we need to infer every time God speaks. Before that, there is a calling in love. God doesn't just want to tell us a whole string of things to do. He doesn't just want to give us a whole list of dry laws. He wants to connect with us. He calls out to us in love. He calls out to us from his very essence. From his essence, which is not limited so one of the ways that he manifests but from his very core, as it were. So this is the third book. This book actually tells us what the purpose of creation really is in a very practical way. Because the number three 
is a very pivotal number. Third book is going to tell us the essence of the Torah. What is the number three? The number three is a combination of two opposite things that can coexist, that can complement each other, that can ultimately actually become a third beautiful thing. Let's begin by saying that now in our homes is a great opportunity for the blending, the acceptance, and upliftment of everyone in our environment focusing on their positives. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Meshi only on 101.9 High FM. And here we are talking about the number three. The number three, it's not just me running around doing my thing. It's not just me meeting my responsibilities. It's not just me managing. Yes, I'm doing it for my family and I'm doing it for my work and I'm doing it for others, but it's not just me. Here I am in my family, in my home, and how does Hashem expect me to get through these times? Essentially, it's about seeing where I fit in with the other. How can I enhance the other? Because when I do, I enhance myself as well. In the world we live in, we haven't been paying attention to interpersonal relationships as a priority, as it were. You know, when young people are in love, that's the priority. But that wears off. And ultimately, unless there's something connecting them that they're working toward, the infatuation, the attraction, as it were, needs to have something that will make it permanent. And that's a third thing beyond you, beyond me. There has to be something that we both work toward. And when Hashem created the world, He did so with tremendous generosity. And when we rest on Shabbos, we're meant to consider and remember that Hashem has given us a huge privilege, the privilege of life, the privilege of carrying out a mission for Him. And Shabbos is a time we're meant to stop, reflect, realign ourselves with creation, with our mission, our part in creation, our place in creation. Where has Hashem put us? With whom has Hashem put us? Everything's by exact divine providence. And it's never just about me. The number three is very important. In truth, as we begin the third book, let's reflect on what Torah is. Torah has to do with the number three. The essence of Torah is three. Because the essence of Torah 
is to bring heaven and earth together. Not to sit on a mountain and meditate, that's alone. Not to be involved in the world, running around, I need, I want, I, I, I. It's about combining the two and living in the world, but living connected with love to the one above and devoted to the people that he brings into our space, to the world that he allows us to occupy, devoted to his world in the wonderful privilege of uplifting the everyday, the mundane, the relationships, infusing them with holiness. Three is the essential number. There are three parts to the Tanakh. The Torah is actually divided into three. The five books of Moshe, that's the first part. The prophets, the Nevi'im, that's the second part. And then the holy writings, the third part, the Ksuvim. Our teachings come in the form of three. And the Torah was given in the third month of Sivan, which actually, this month of Nisan, today being the second of Nisan, considered the first month, is already a preparation for the third month. We need one, we need two, and then we can have three. And we are entering the one. Indeed, Exodus from Egypt, which took place on the 15th of this month, was not because Hashem had mercy on people who were suffering. That was a part of it. But the main goal was to take them out of being enslaved, to take us out from being enslaved to physical masters, to physical things, and take us as his nation to be devoted, to be his servants with incredible privilege. And that's a journey of three, three months until we would get to the foot of Sinai to receive that Torah, which is three parts. Who would receive it? A nation which has three classes, Kohanim, Leviim, Yisraelim, the Kohen, the Levi, and the Israelite. Amazing stuff. And there were three days of preparation that had to take place before the Torah was given. And let's remember that there were three siblings who taught the Torah. There was Moshe, Moses. There was Aharon, Aaron. And there was Miriam. They were the teachers. It's an amazing, amazing time that we live in as we approach Pesach, as we enter the month that is the month of Pesach, which we are told is a month of incredible miracles. There are all kinds of miracles that take place. They're around us every single day. We are miracles. The world's existence is a miracle. It hangs in space. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, the seasons, families, children are born. So much going on. But essentially, in this world, there are 
all kinds of miracles, the kind we take for granted because they just happen all the time, that we all need to stop now and think about. Gratitude, a list of the amazing things that Hashem does for us on a second-to-second and even less basis. But then there are really obvious miracles. Nisei nisim, like when the impossible happens, as it were. Nothing's impossible for Hashem. And this month of Nisan, this is the month of Nisei nisim, major, major, major miracles. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. And the classical three, father, mother, child, the family. Let's look at the Parsha. The Parsha is Vayikra. Vayikra begins with the word Vayikra and he called. And there's something very interesting about that word. And that is that the Aleph is miniature. The Aleph is tiny. Normally, the letters in the Torah are one size. But here and there, we find a major, a giant letter, or a minor. And there's at least one whole Aleph base where you have major or you have enlarged letters, and you have one whole Aleph base, one whole set of the alphabet where the letters are in miniature. And the classic Aleph is in the word Vayikra. And God called to Moshe. Tiny Aleph. And we're told yes, because Moshe was humble, amazing, like a combination of the greatest man who carried himself, who viewed himself, who really believed that if somebody else had been given his gifts, they would have done better than him. Awesome thought. And the book begins with the word Vayikra and he called. What does Vayikra mean? It means a call of love. You know, in the times that we find ourselves, everybody's been affected. The world is shaking. The world is upside down. Who is the least affected at this time? The least affected are the little children. The little children, I think of my granddaughter, Freda. She's two years old. She is happy. She's secure. Her siblings are at home. Her parents are at home all the time. She's not afraid. She's secure. Why is she secure? Because... Her parents are there. Look at that Vayikra. You have four letters that are large and a small little Aleph. Perhaps it's hinting at a conversation that a child might have with her parents. And the question could be, the child is asking the parents, why did Hashem create me little? If my purpose in life is going to be to make this world a dwelling place for God through the study of Torah, through the performance of mitzvahs and refined good deeds, why did he make me a child? It's going to be years 
until I have the intellectual capacity, the emotional capacity, until I'm able to go forth with independence, to build a home, to help people, to earn money and be able to give to others, till I can study the Torah, do the mitzvahs, carry out my mission for which I was created. Doesn't it seem to be like a waste of time? Before we answer that question, let's point out that traditionally in Judaism, a child's formal Jewish education begins with the first pasuk, the first passage of Vayikra. And the Medrash explains why of all the wonderful phrases, of all the wonderful passages, of all the wonderful teachings, why not tell the child the story? Why bring them to the book of Leviticus and begin with the words Vayikra? That Hashem spoke to Moshe. That Hashem called to Moshe. And the Medrash explains that the pure ones come and be occupied with pure things. Let them come, the pure little ones, and engage in pure matters, which are the matters dealt with in the book of Vayikra, offerings, how to purify oneself. You know, children are naturally free of sin. And the book of Ayikra is all about purifying oneself and coming closer to Hashem. Children are very close to Hashem. They are recently of God. But the significance of a child's purity can be learned, can be seen in the very first word, Vayikra. The purity of a child is in their honesty, in their connection, in their sense of wonder. Children are childish, but they're sincere. And when the child asks his parent, if Hashem's goal is that I eventually study his holy Torah, perform his mitzvahs as an adult, why did he create me as a child? And the parent answers, your childish sincerity, your simple faith, your connection, your sense of wonder are the foundations of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism. And they can only be cultivated at the time that you are a child, when you are naturally this way. The adult you will become is being shaped now. Shaped by your childishness and, of course, by us as parents protecting and nurturing that. Your childishness, your purity is an essential part of who you are and will always be. And here we are, adults in an adult world, as it were. Thank God those of us who have the privilege of being surrounded by children, teaching children, being inspired by their 
purity, by their innocence, by their sense of truth. We need to remember that even though we grow up, we always are a child as well. We are children. Yeah, we spend most of our days doing grown-up things. We have to, not like the bobbers who had to get up early in the morning and chop wood to build a fire, to put on the water, to start the porridge. We don't, most of us have to do that anymore. But we do have responsibilities. We have to go to work. There are bills to be paid. So many people right now are afraid. How am I going to pay my bills? Is a creditor going to come knocking at my door? A time of such uncertainty. A time of free fall, as it were. Adults do adult things. They take responsibility. They go to work. They make important decisions. But you and I have a child inside. And every single morning, we have a chance before diving into our responsibilities to be a child, to connect with Hashem as a child. In the morning, we can begin the day with a pure childlike moide ani, recognizing that Hashem is with us, recognizing that Hashem has granted us another day, and trying to extend that time of purity, depending on how much everybody's personal situation allows on that particular day, Maybe we can go on and say the morning brachas, the morning blessings. Maybe we could study something. Give tzedakah, give coins for charity. Maybe even pray before diving into our day. It's an incredible, incredible thought. We are God's children. But the pull to adulthood is so strong. Can we control it? We just want to get up in the morning, open our phones, see what WhatsApp has to offer in terms of the latest update in the situation that the world is in now. The question is, if we know what's happening, is there something that we can do that will enhance our daily life? Well, there's a thirst for knowledge, updates. Maybe they discovered a cure. But can the adult within me wait for a few minutes and give the child some space? You know, we can read one WhatsApp message, and it can hurtle us into adulthood. But can we postpone that until... We've taken care of the child within. I've got a child. The child needs protection. The child needs connection. The child needs reassurance. If we start our day with those 12 words, 
Modeh ani lefonecho. I give thanks before you. Melech chai v'kayom. Great and living king. Shehechazar tobinishmasi b'chemla. That you have returned my soul to me with mercy. Rabo emunasecha. Great is your faithfulness. Or it can also be read, great is your faith in us. You gave us another day because you believe in us. You believe, even if we aren't conscious of it, that we can make a difference. We have always been the children of a loving, all-powerful father, the king of kings. We'll always be his child. Everything we've ever had is from Hashem. What's going on right now is from Hashem. He's orchestrated it. He orchestrates everything in our lives. The Baal Shem Tov explains that when a leaf falls from a tree, that is orchestrated by God. Everything in God's vast universe is exactly orchestrated. There are no mistakes to whom it happens, how it happens, when it happens. Let's embrace our childhood every day. We have a chance when we daven, when we pray, to be that child. Let's lean on Hashem. Let's lean into the opportunity to be a child again. Look, adulthood for adults is unavoidable. And we should not shirk our responsibilities. But let's be children at different times in the day, certainly in the morning, so we can enhance that unavoidable being an adult. Let's do it for ourselves. Let's do it for our children. The world may be upside down, but our Father in Heaven is at home with us all the time. We are privileged that we have a mind and we have a heart. And our mind and our heart direct us. We can understand this. We can tap into this. We can nurture ourselves. We can remind ourselves, I have a good father. My father cares about me. My father is all-powerful. My father knows everything. My father has all the money in the world. My father can protect me from everything all the time. My father never goes out. My father's here. I just need to call him. Daddy, Tati, Abba. And when the child calls from the depth of her heart, The father melts. Yes, my kind, what can I do for you? And when we are loving, the love that comes back to us is so manifold, so real, 
and so palpable. We feel it. We're nurtured by it. We're strengthened by it. There's nothing like security. The false security that we've been living in needs to be replaced by real security. All the security companies, they say, we're the ones, we'll be there for you. But the real security is our Father who never leaves us. We just need to call him Vayikra, like a child speaking to a parent with love. But he's called to us first. Hashem Vayikra. He calls to us every day, at every moment. Before Hashem expects us to do a mitzvah, one of the mitzvahs in the Torah, he was there first. He called to us first. Before he says, Daber el b'nei Yisrael, speak to the people and tell them what to do. Vayikra, tiny aleph, calling the child. Each one of us these days needs not only to strengthen ourselves, but to strengthen those around us. And I would like to share an incredible story that has been one of my favorites for many, many years. That story, well, you might know the famous line, Tracht gut wird sein gut. We'll come right back after this short break to share that story with you. You're listening to Conversations with Meshi only on 101.9 High FM. A good nerve Shabbos of the third book of the Torah, Parshat Vayikra, at a time when the world is shaking and we need to hear God calling to us. That's what it's about. He is here. He's making this happen. Vayikra, a call of love, a call that can only come from the King of Kings himself, the omnipotent, omnipresent creator of the world. And we need to hear that call. It's not hard to hear the call when it's being shouted into your ear, when our hearts are gripped with concern. How do we behave? What do we do? How do we get on top of this, especially if we are the adults and we need to reassure others? Yes, wash your hands. Listen to the doctors. Listen to what we need to do to make vessels for blessing. I'm reminded of that story which I have shared, which is a story of the Rebbe driving... He was being driven to go to the graveside of the previous Rebbe. And they were driving down Eastern Parkway, the big, big street in front of and stretching very far up and down in Brooklyn. And the Rebbe's address of the shul is 770 Eastern Parkway. And they're driving. And then at the red light, the Rebbe catches the eye of somebody who's driving next to him and he indicates to her with her, with his finger that she should put down the button. Lock your car. Anyway, the light changes, they pull off. 
somewhere further, they again seem to be pulled up side by side and she hasn't yet done it. And he indicates, push down your button. Anyhow, apparently some streets later, she had already pushed down the button. Some thieves tried to break into her car. They tried to open the door, but the button was locked and she was able to get away. How do we know the story? This woman, this African-American woman who lives somewhere in Crown Heights, perhaps, came to the office of the Rebbe to say thank you. Otherwise, nobody would have known the story. My point is, we need to put safeguards into place. We need to be sanitizing. We need to be washing our hands and listening to protocol and staying at home. But the real healer is our Father in Heaven. Address us on a time who will be sick and who will be well, who will be rich, who will be poor, who will live, who will, God forbid, not live. He is the one to whom to turn. And the question is, how do we get on top of our normal reactions, reacting with fear when we read the news, when we see it on television? And so the following story, in addition to doing everything that Torah tells us to do, which is basically, if you're sick, call the doctor. If the doctor says, wash your hands, do it. Make vessels for blessing. Don't expect to live in the world and break the laws of nature in an irresponsible way that is not according to the Torah. Torah wants us to live. It's called the Torah of life. It lays out quite clearly how one should behave and react in every situation. So here's the story. You've all heard, or maybe not all have heard, the saying, Tracht gut wird sein gut. Think good and it will be good. Where does that story come from and what does it mean? Does it really mean that I have the power to make things good? Let me tell you the story of Reb Michoel. Reb Michoel was one of the mashpim, one of the mentors in the town of Lubavitch, in the yeshiva called Toim Chetz Mimim Lubavitch. And when he was a young man, unfortunately, one of his kinderlach, one of his children, became dangerously ill. So sick that the doctors said there is nothing that can be done. Poor Reb Michoel. He went to the base medrash. He went off to shul. And he told a group of his fellow chsidim about this terrible situation. They tried to encourage him to give him strength. They urged him, don't despair, don't give up. Without a doubt, the Almighty will be merciful. And then they advised him, go immediately to the Rebbe. Set off immediately for the town of Lubavitch. As soon as he heard this, he broke down. He sobbed. He said, I would dearly love 
to go to the Rebbe. But the doctors have said that it's now a matter of hours. The child has only hours to live. What's the point of setting out on such a journey? Very sternly, one of the elders sit and turned to him and said, doesn't the Talmud, the Gemara, explicitly say to us, no matter what happens, let no man preclude the possibility of mercy. God forbid, even if a sharp sword is resting on your neck, don't stop pleading with Hashem to save you. And this elder Chassid said to him, for sure, the advocating angels, the angels that say, let's give him goodness, reveal goodness. These angels will surely persuade Hashem to wait and not pass the final decision until you've had a chance to reach the Rebbe. And so, a bit encouraged, he decided to go to Lubavitch. And one of his friends, a chsidisha friend, a tailor by trade, said, I'll go with you. And they started walking. It wasn't that near. And Hashem helped that once or twice, they were able to shorten the journey with getting a ride in a passing wagon that wasn't too expensive. And then another good fortune, as soon as they arrived in Lubavitch, Reb Michal was able to go into the Rebbe's study for a private audience called Yechidus. And later on, Reb Michal himself told the story. He said, as I walked into the Rebbe's room and I handed the Rebbe the pidyon nefesh, the note, with my child's name written on it, the thought flashed through my mind. Who knows what's happening to my child right now? Didn't the doctors say that it was only a matter of hours? Reb Michal told the story, he said, and I wept bitterly. The Rebbe took the note and read it. And he said to me, don't cry. Tracht gut, wird sein gut. Think good and it will be good. Things will turn out well. He said, don't lament. You'll celebrate the bar mitzvahs of your grandchildren. And Reb Michal left and struggled with this concept until he had internalized it as he walked home. And amazingly, when he got home, he found that the child had taken a turn for the better and was going to be okay. And when he inquired from the doctors when this had happened, it turned out that at the exact moment that he had managed to get on top of his negative thoughts and to trust good, to think that everything would be well, the child suddenly turned a corner. Ah. Reb Michal 
would conclude his narrative in the following way, and he would say, whenever in later years hard times came, and the truth is that in later years he suffered terrible anguish as he tried to raise his children, he said, I would always picture to myself the Rebbe's holy face and remember those words that he told me in that private audience, in that yechidus, that things would work out well for me. We have the power. God puts us onto a stage, as it were. He's already written the script. He's already done the backdrop. He's already prepared absolutely everything. It's an amazing, amazing thing that he has put us into a situation, a situation where we have to play our part in that situation. We've got to just step on stage because it's not a rehearsal. It is right now. At this very moment, we have to not delay, but do our part. Whether it's washing of hands, whether it's staying at home, whether it's uplifting our children, we have a part to play on the stage. We have a part to play that nobody else can possibly play for us. Each one of us right now joins together with everybody else worldwide at this unprecedented time of, yes, uncertainty, but certainly opportunity. And because we are separated, everybody's in his own house. We don't see each other at shul, at the shops. We don't see each other at work. And each one of us can kind of slip into that dangerous way of thinking that this is just happening to me. We might think that I'm on another planet. But for the first time, we can in truth say, welcome to our shared universe. At this exact point, everybody's unsure. Hashem wants us to feel unsure and to find true stability in Him but we've got to get on stage and play our part as partners in creation because this right now is the biggest universal show of all times. It's obvious we didn't write this script. He wrote the script. He built the backdrops. He set up the stage. And suddenly the lights are on. And we are the main actors. Each one of us needs to know that we have the main role to play. And it's not a rehearsal. The curtain is up. This is the real performance. And there's no question that when we remind ourselves that God is counting on us, our families are counting on us, the world is counting on us, we will perform with our whole heart and soul, each one of us in our corner of the world, we will work together 
we won't miss our cues. And we know that the show is going to be a huge success. And it will result, it will evolve into that wonderful reality that we and so many generations and generations before us have been yearning for. Now is the time. Each one of us has the central role to play that nobody else can work, can do for us. Every child and the child within us, every adult, every teenager, every person, whether they are fully conscious, semi-conscious, or not conscious at all, but they're here. And all together, we are part of this big symphony. Our work is inner work, loving work, connecting work in our personal sanctuaries. We've got to give it our heart and soul. We've got to work with ourselves. We've got to work with our families. No distractions. God has taken care of all that. No excuses. Yes, there are distractions, but not the usual ones. We have the opportunity to bring all of creation to fruition. I wish you a good Shabbos. I wish the world a good Shabbos. We wish Hashem a good Shabbos. And if Hashem has a good Shabbos, He will certainly bless us all with Mashiach. Good Shabbos. Stay safe. And let's all work together to make it happen.